0: Good morning, TBA. How are you all today? Um, If you are here for the first time or within the first uh, couple of weeks of of your being here, I want to uh, send to you uh, just a special welcome. We're glad that you're here, uh, and we hope that you feel right at home here, and we hope to to walk with you for a while. Um, As we were getting ready this morning, one of the band members asked me if I was long-winded, because whenever there's a new uh, pastor—by the way, my name is Paul. I'm kind of new here— Whenever the pastor's coming up for the first time, you get that question of whether you're long winded or not. And my response was that remember, a crock pot is a slow cooker. The longer it's in there, the better it tastes, right? And so I was also told that we have till about 1 o'clock when I need to be done. No, okay. Um, My wife's grandfather once came home from church and he said, You know, that pastor, he missed a lot of good opportunities to stop. Um, and so I kind of think of that, I think of that every time I speak. Here in the last couple of weeks, we have been looking through the book of James, uh, just in case you were not here. Uh, in chapter 1, three weeks ago, Ed Dias started us off by reminding us that James is the half-brother of Christ. He is also a pastor who is writing a letter to his church and to the church at large. Uh, James is is talking about how we, as people, go through our lives trying to get the the crown of glory or the crown of life. And so when you get home today, look at the hats in your your closet and uh, just remember that we are all on this journey where the trials that we face each day and over the course of our life are actually there to strengthen and mature our faith. Those, are, those trials are what shape us, they mold us, but they also help us to, to grow in what God has for us so that we would lack nothing. Then, in chapter 2, uh, Dave was reminding us that as we are becoming who we are, we as Christians, we're in this process of becoming who we are. And that the things that we do, you know, the the daily activities that you find yourself doing, um, this is where you are showing to the world how you have been changed. I realize that as I bring this laundry basket with me today, the, the dirty clothes that I put in there, whether it's a workout outfit, whether it's a button-down shirt with a tie, I realize you don't wash a tie, but for those of us who have, you know, the work shirts and the work clothes, we put it into the laundry, this is where you spent your energy today. This is where you spent your life. You know, it's a good representative of this is where my life is going. This is the direction that I'm heading. Last week... Uh, Brian Legg talked to us about the words that we say. Every time you pick up your, your phone and you start to speak into it, you realize that the words that you use are just flowing out of your heart. That which is in your heart is going to overflow into the words that you use. Okay, just a quick poll. How many here have carpal tunnel from all that you had to write this week in your journal? No? Okay, okay I, got I got an honest person back there, and an honest person over here. Um, <laughs> how many people at least did one journal entry this week of looking over uh, what, what you've been saying? I found that what I ended up writing out was not necessarily the things that I said, but the things that I didn't say. I realized that when I was in a situation, there were things that I could have added to that conversation, and, it's, and it wasn't even like the, the quick, funny comebacks. It was more the, hey, this is a serious situation. Here's what I could have said and should have said. But then as Brian was pointing out, that's when you have the opportunity in your relationship to go back and address those things. We realize that the words we speak are the outpouring of our heart. The things that you're excited about, that's what comes out of your mouth. Those who were really, really happy that the... Uh, that the Rays went to that next level. You know, that's all I heard about for days. And then when Boston won, that's all I heard about from Carl and from some of you other Bostonians. That's all I heard about. This is what you're excited about. These are the things we talk about. Today, we're going to be looking at uh, another, another item that you're going to see in everyday life. If you are under the age of 30, this, 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 ne- this next object might not be something you've ever seen before. It's a calendar. People would actually take these hang them up on the wall and then write down the dates, you know, so that everyone could see where everyone was supposed to be and at what time. Now we just have our phones where, you know, I plug in m- my appointment, Meredith puts in hers, we, we realize where Emma needs to be, and then it all syncs up. We all get to where we need to go. And, you know, little Susie doesn't get left on the, the sideline at soccer practice because we realize, oh, wait, it's my turn to go pick her up. Actually, I don't have a daughter named Susie. It's Emma. And she doesn't play soccer. But um, I have a question for you. As, as you're looking at this, this uh, video clip, ask yourself this question. Have you ever had a plan that didn't necessarily go the way it was supposed to go? Okay, just be thinking that in, in, the, in the back of your mind. Uh dump, dump, We'll get it later. Starting. All right. So we realize that Clark has these plans. It's not even an elaborate plan. It's just, hey, I'm going to go put up some, some Christmas lights. And even though it's just a very simple plan, it just does not go the way it's supposed to go. If you have your Bible, please go ahead and turn uh, with me to James chapter 4. We're going to be looking at verses 13 through 17. James chapter 4, 13 through 17. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why? You don't even know what, what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good that they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Now we realize that James in his, in his letter to the church that he is at times encouraging them and then at other times he's taking them to task. It's, it's the point in the letter where I hear my dad saying if you boys don't, start knock, if you don't knock it off there in the back seat I'm going to pull this car over and you're going to get a spanking, right? They're being corrected here. And it's over some 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 pretty simple issues, if, if if you ask me. But he goes pretty far in what in what he's saying. Let's take a look first at verse 14. I realize it's in the middle of the section that we're looking at, but it's enveloped by verses that complement it. James goes as far to say that your life is a vapor; it's a mist in the morning when you wake up, you see the mist out there on the, on, on the morning horizon and you realize that as soon as the sun comes up, it's going to evaporate. It was here now, gone now. Now, for the most part, guys, us men, are going to live for about 77.6 years. That's the average. Women, on the other hand, are going to be living for about 80.1 years if statistics hold true. So that means that, ladies, you get a couple years where you don't have to clean up after us anymore, uh, which makes life that much more enjoyable. Whether, whether or not you look at the, at the history of the earth and you say, wow, the earth is only you know, about 6,000 years old, or whether you say the earth is millions of years you realize that 77 years or 80 years is a blink of an eye. It goes by very quickly. Now, that's a very sobering thought. It's a very sobering thought that our life, although at times it seems like it's dragging and, and, and just can't go any slower, there are also those portions of life that go extremely quickly. It's, we, we, we say, where did the time go? Time sure flew there. I remember one moment uh, a couple years ago, I was in a, a store with, with my daughter, Emma, and as she, she came up to me, she just gave me a little hug, and I put my hand on her head, and I realized, wait, my hand is now above my belly button, and it was a very poignant moment because I realized when I, whenever I put my hand on my daughter's head, it would never be down here or here or even here. Whether or not I had taken the time to notice her growing, it was happening anyway. The way in which we spend our lives, whether we are working, whether we are building our life through education, whether we are in the military, the things that you have done for your life came through blood, sweat, and tears. James gives us this thought that your life is but a vapor it's but a mist. In a couple years from now, people will not remember your reputation. In a hundred years from now, people probably won't know your legacy. There are some of us who, who spend our entire lives trying to build to something that will last. And James comes along with this thought that your life is but an instant. It's a vapor. It's a mist. Here today, gone today. Now, I realize that some of you right now are thinking, wow, this is his first time preaching here, and they gave him this section. Wow, that's great. Nice, you know, heavy stuff to really bum us out for the rest of the day. At this point, when we hear James speaking, we realize that our story is a part of God's story. Our story is a part of God's story. And we realize that no matter how quickly time goes, we realize that we are part of that bigger picture. But we also know that time, not money, is the primary commodity of our life. Once it's gone, it's gone. If you lose some money, you can go out, find a job, do whatever you need to do, sell some stuff, and you can get that back. Time, once it's gone, it's gone. You're not allowed to get it back. That's not the way the rules work. But we who are in Christ, we realize that our story is a part of God's story. Read this with me. For the Christian, we realize that this life is not the end of who we are. We are not terrorized into fear and paralyzed into inaction by the uncertainty of the future, but we commit the future and all of our plans into the hands of God, always remembering that our plans might not be within God's purpose. Some of us just a moment ago were saying, wow, Paul, this is a pretty heavy message for your first, first run But then we realize exactly what William Barclay is is calling us to, to remember, that we are not terrorized into fear. We're not paralyzed into inaction. Because we realize that this world is not all that we get. Time is important, don't get me wrong. But our story is a part of God's story. Looking back at at verse 13, James is scolding the church a little bit, saying, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money, why you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. Hmm, you will not even know what happened tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. Hmm. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. Now, if Brian Legg or... Dave Shive or Brian Stiverson or myself, if we wrote you a letter and we said, hey, this thing that you're doing, it's evil, that would prick up your ears, right? I mean, if my pastor is writing me a letter saying, hey, Paul, this thing you're doing or this thing that you're not doing or this thing that you're saying is considered evil, that pricks my ears up. James is trying to get people's attention saying that the fact that they are boasting in their own plans, it goes not just, not just to a, well, this is morally gray area, this is ambiguous, you know, the, the Bible is not clear in this section. No, no, no. He's pulling out all the stops. He's saying what you are doing is evil. Huh. Huh. The plans that we make are evil. When we look at it a little bit more closely, it's the fact that they do not realize that their plans are in keeping with with God's will. It's, it's, It's like they themselves are the masters of the universe. Well, because I planned it, it's going to happen. I planned it. How, how can it go wrong? We see Clark Griswold putting up some lights, and we realize that, okay, he has a plan. It doesn't go quite the way he was expecting it to go, but he had a plan. A couple weeks ago, I, I was talking with uh, some of you guys on Facebook, and I asked for some of your stories as to, wow, I had this plan, and it just did not go the way it was supposed to go. Darlene Rogers wrote me back, and she said, I'm no Betty Crocker, In spite of my lack of cooking skills, I had been watching a lot of the Food Network, and I thought I learned enough to try some homemade biscuits. Ha! This is a skill that's only entrusted to to true Southern women who were were passed down through generations of mamas and grandmamas. She says, I personally was born north of the Mason-Dixon line, but with my Food Network-fueled, inflated confidence, I tried it anyway. With the help of some friends who were sure to have better cooking skills than myself, I found a recipe that I thought worked for my skill level, few ingredients, and short work. Those were the two, those were the, uh, the two um, elements that she was looking for. I put it all together, and just as the recipe said, but the biscuits were flat, chewy blobs. She says, it turns out, the baking powder that I so proudly had on hand had expired in 2005. (laughs) Then she asked, who knew that stuff expired? Okay, this is obviously a very simple plan that didn't go the way it was supposed to. I also got some reactions and some stories from people who had more serious plans, people who had been planning to have children, or not have children and and come to find out over time that just isn't the way it's going to happen. Some people would move from one state to another state to go, to go into uh, an educational program and as soon as they got there their health started failing. They would consult one doctor after the next. And they would realize that these doctors, they can't even diagnose what's wrong with me. For all of their planning, they had to realize, I'm not in control here. We, our story, is a part of God's story. But on the flip side, God's story is also a part of our story. James here is looking for these people to recognize the fact that God is in their story. God's will is in their plans. And so we as Christians are supposed to be unafraid about telling other people who are in our sphere of influence that this is what God is asking me to do. Now I also realize we live in in the year 2013 in something as as simple as wishing someone a Merry Christmas is kind of seen as taboo. We now have to be politically correct all the time. We live in a world where we've gone from freedom of religion to freedom from religion. Where are we at? Brian Lake, last week he, he told us clearly that James is calling us to a place where we realize that the words we use are from the overflow of our heart. The things that you're excited about, that's what's going to come out of your mouth. When you realize that you are a part of God's plan, and God's plan is a part of your plan, holy cow, how can you not get excited about that? The actions that we take, the things that we do, the things that we don't do, those are not us trying to earn God's favor or earn God's grace, but it's a reaction to what has happened on the inside of us. When there's change on the inside, you can't contain it. You can't not do things. How many of you, if your spouse, if your husband or your wife said, you know what, baby, I love you but I can only be married to you six days a week. I need that seventh day just for some me time. I need to do whatever I need to do. How many of you would sign on for that? I can't think of a guy or a girl, a husband or a wife, who would sign on for that. We realize that when we take on this understanding of God's story in our story, it changes who we are on the inside, and it spills out into our, into our life in every area, in our actions, in our speech, even in the way we make our plans. Proverbs 21.7 says, do not boast about tomorrow, for you don't know what tomorrow will bring. I love the way the message puts it here. Don't brashly announce what you're doing tomorrow. You don't know the first thing about Tomorrow. I realize you've looked at weather.com and you know what the weather is going to be. I realize that you have your itinerary all planned out. You have your day mapped out and you know exactly what each person is going to say in every meeting that you attend. No. No, you don't. I love it. You don't know the first thing about tomorrow. It hasn't happened yet. Between today and tomorrow, you could be pulling out of the parking lot here today get hit by a car, your life has changed forever. God forbid. You could go, and for, for some of you single people, you could go out today, meet the person of your dreams, start down a path where you are headed towards marriage. Guess what? Your life has changed forever. You don't know the first thing about tomorrow. Neither do I. Now, the Apostle Paul serves as a really wonderful example here. In Acts 18, 21, but as he, Paul, left, he promised, I will come back if it's God's will. Then he set sail for Ephesus. I'm pretty sure that Paul, from the way I read Paul, I'm pretty sure Paul was a, a type A personality. I bet you he had a plan for his plan, you know what I mean? Uh, how many people here would, would self-describe yourself as a type A personality. Okay? How many spouses are willing to say, my spouse just lied? Um, <laughs> okay. Paul realized that even though he had a plan, he was planning to come back and visit with them. But he still threw that phrase in there. I'm going to come back, if it's God's will. Again, in 1 Corinthians 4.19, but I will come back to you very soon, if, it, if the Lord is willing And then I will find out not only how these arrogant people are talking, but what power they have. Again, Paul lived in that reality of saying, you know what, I have a plan. It's not like I'm I'm waking up without purpose today. But he also realized that God's story was a part of his story. God's story was a part of his story. It wasn't going to happen unless... It was in God's will. All right, here we have this beautiful scene. Uh, this is from Wildwood, New Jersey. Um, my, my wife's uncle, which I guess he makes him my uncle as well, uh, Uncle Dennis wakes up virtually every morning, goes for a walk on the beach, you know, gets kind of the mind process going, gets the blood stirring a little bit, and he takes some of these, some of the most beautiful shots that you could imagine, and he posted them on, on Facebook just to, let them know, just to let everybody know, hey, here's how my, my day started out, okay? We have these beautiful sunrise pictures. I personally didn't know that there were two 530s every day, but apparently it's so. And here are some of his, um, wait, before I give that away, how many of you look at these pictures and say, wow, this is a great location for a workout, okay? Okay. How many of you say, these locations are just a beautiful place for a romantic walk with my sweetheart? How many people would say, wow, this is just a beautiful piece of scenery and, and wow, look at the world in which we live? Okay, so some, some more hands there. Here are some of Uncle Dennis's reactions to the, to the world in which he lives. Wave upon wave, grace upon grace, Crowned with his glory forevermore. Thank you, Lord. Awesome, Lord, what a marvelous adventure lies ahead for this new day. Thank you, Daddy. As surely as you paint each sunrise, Lord, as awesomely as you create each stroke, your love for each of us as your precious children exceeds all its beauty. Thank you, sweet Jesus. do you think that he, that he realizes that his story is a part of God's story? From this, do you, do you think he gets the fact that God's story is a part of his story? If my alarm clock were to go off at 530, I would, it would be an unpleasant situation. Let's just put it that way. But he gets up, he sees the sunrise, and he realizes God is at work. God has already started. He's already doing stuff today. He's asking the question, how can I get involved with what God has going on today? I real, he, He's a successful businessman. He has his itinerary set. He knows the appointments that he has for the day. But he also realizes that God is already at work. He asks himself the question, how can I get in on what God has going on today? James is pointing to the fact that it's not a bad thing to have plans, but to realize that within your plans, within your story, is God's story. God's plans, God's will. What a beautiful difference. What a beautiful difference. This is, the, this is what's spilling out of his heart. What spills out of our heart comes out of our mouth. What spills out of our heart comes out in our actions. What spills out of our heart comes out in our plans. I have a, I have a couple questions for you. Think about the things you have coming up over the next couple of days. Think about the things that have made it onto the calendar, whether it be school activities, work activities, getting together with friends, whatever it might be. A couple questions. Have you realized, have you realized yet that your story is a part of God's story? Some of us are in the small groups that are meeting throughout the week and we're starting to realize that, wow, my story is but a vapor, it's but a mist, and my story is a part of God's story. Have you realized yet that God's story is a part of your story? In and above the things that made it onto your calendar, in and above the things that you will actually do from the things on your calendar this week, God's story is working out through you. Because we have been changed on the inside, it comes out in our speech. It comes out in our actions. It comes out in our plans and in our intentions. Last but not least, who are, the, who are you planning to see this week? And how is God calling you to impact those people that you interact with this week? I'm not suggesting that you need to bring a stack of tracts with you, hand them out to everybody, and lead people down the Romans road. I'm not not saying it, but I'm not saying that. (laughs) I am asking, though, the people who interact with you this week, will they see love? Will they see joy? Peace? Patience? Kindness? perseverance long suffering these are the fruits of the spirit do they see the fruits of the spirit coming out of your life do they hear it in the words that you speak as the uh, as the band comes i'm going to ask that we all close our eyes and agree in prayer father god i realize that as we meet this morning not everybody here realizes that their story is a part of your story. Christ has come and, and paid everything that needs to be paid for us to have a right relationship with you. Father God, some of us are, are resistant to that. Father God, this morning my prayer is that as your Holy Spirit is moving and as, as you are working that we would first of all be sensitive to what you're calling us to, that new right relationship with you. Father God, there are others of us here that, that have not yet realized that your story is a part of our story and that as we meet with, with people, as we go to school, as we go to work, as we go to our different appointments, that your story is being worked out within us. Father God, for those people, my prayer is that we realize what you're calling us to. That you are calling us to be light in a dark world. That you are calling us to show the fruits of the Spirit so that other people can see you. Father God, all of these things I ask in, uh, in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen.